I'm Jack Semlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. Today's program, Precision Service, One Size Doesn't Fit All, is once again being brought to you by Farmer's Edge. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll make every effort to get it listed there as well. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. I also encourage you to mark your calendars. Plan to attend the upcoming Precision Farming Dealer Summit, January 8th and 9th in Louisville. The theme of this dealer-only event is Bridging the Precision Profitability Gap and will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions. Space is limited, and you can visit precisionfarmingdealersummit.com for more information and updates. Thanks again to Farmer's Edge, proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at farmersedgeusa.com slash become a representative or call them at 952-582-1398. Well, many dealers have discovered that no single support package will fit the needs of all farm customers. They must be adaptable and customized to suit the needs of everyone from the early adopters to the precision newcomers. A critical part of promoting and selling precision service and successfully moving from a free-to-fee model is solving compatibility problems. Now in his 30th year in the farm equipment business, Brian Peterman, Integrated Solutions Manager at Atlantic Tractor in Clayton, Delaware, says, Precision farming's new compatibility challenges are far more complex than in the early days. He explains that many of Precision Farming's issues start with the OEMs, who design their systems to only work with their proprietary equipment and components. But there are also service opportunities and challenges when it comes to Precision Equipment as well. In today's Precision Farming Dealer Podcast brought to you by Farmer's Edge, Brian shares examples of the most challenging compatibility points of pain and how to transform these problems into profit for the dealership. So Atlantic Tractor is the name of our dealership. If you Google businesses in Delaware, what you will find is you will end up looking at businesses in Ohio because the Google wants to go to Delaware, Ohio instead of the state of Delaware. So even though Delaware is little, we're very diversified. We grow just about everything from mushrooms, asparagus, orchards, uh, you name it, it's grown on the shore. We also have, you know, 50 soil types. We've got elevations from two feet above sea level to eight, 900 feet in our area. So very diversified um, area that we deal with. Uh, to me, that's a good thing because it gives us a lot of unique opportunity to use technology in a lot of different areas that John Deere doesn't feel it's even practical, but we find a way to make it work. So I started working the dealership in 1987, and to me, this is the roadmap that I've had to endure uh, since I've worked there. So I'm in my 30th year, 
And in 1987, if somebody told me that technology would be in farming, I'd have laughed at them. I didn't even know how to use a laptop. We definitely punched in on the cardboard time cards when I started. And this is kind of a timeline of where I think I've been in my travels with technology. I think a lot of you agree with this. Every one of these pieces has its unique software challenge, especially if you start in the 90s with uh, office software and maps, and we were more worried about does the customer's PC even compatible with software uh, that's out and available now. And as we went along, currently to today, the last couple of years, we've endured a new challenge, and that's interfacing with all brands. So you know, anybody that knows John Deere knows for the last 28 years or so, they were hard locked, didn't want to work with anybody. Now all of a sudden, we're forced to retrain ourselves and say, hey, the door's wide open. And this now creates opportunity, but also uh, frustrations and challenges for us because we have to retrain ourselves on what we normally would do at a dealership. So, challenges. What kind of challenges uh, am I dealing with these days? And I think a lot of you, and I've heard the same thing um, in these uh, conversations with you all. So when auto steer, for instance, first come out, this was a typical unit we had, and we were tickled to death to make it auto steer. And it auto steered, it worked good. A lot of these vehicles are still on the farms doing work. And our first challenge comes into a vehicle like this, and a guy wants a new planner because in these days of tight inputs, it's not a new tractor and planner, it's a new planner. And the customer expects, because it has a touchscreen in it, an auto track, that it's gonna work with all technology. They think just like a tractor has a drawbar and a hitch pin's a hitch pin's and PTO's PTO, they expect this tractor to work with anything. And to me, that's the first challenge we have to recognize. Your customer base, what do they have? So we're all used to the salesman being the most customer contact person we have at our stores. To me, that's changing now because the salesmen have not been in a position to keep up with us. And this starts integrating the technology specialists in your operation. If not, you'd better make it so because it'll be important. This big old term here likes to drive me crazy. When I started hearing this term, it dealt with PTO shafts. If you really back up, it started with three-point hitches many, many years ago. And now we start using this in the technology world. And basically, a customer hears, oh, it's ISO compatible, it should work. Well, maybe is what all that equipment should say. Depends on the manufacturer, depends on what year it's ISO certified. So any of you Deere guys in here know, for instance, in the early 2000s, John Deere had some equipment out that ran a 4.5 voltage CAN bus system. Well, guess what? It will plug into the same plug as today's tractor. So when you put a 4.5 volt system and a 2.5 current system, interesting things starts to happen. Now the customer doesn't know why that is, because it plugged in, just like the drawbar pin fits and all. And once again, it's left up to us to figure out why and if it will even work. So this was one of my first concerns and challenges is ISO, to me, should say maybe. It should not just say ISO. This is definitely a challenging world, and uh, we are forced as a group here to deal with it. Okay, so today's world, once again, where we're at now, uh, this is a typical scenario for a lot of our very aggressive customers. So they have fairly new vehicles and technology. They want the latest and greatest. All the marketing done by all precision companies is latest and greatest, the best, whatever you want to call it. And that's what the customers expect. 
The big thing is, is they expect it all to work, all to be compatible. Once again, it's like a hitch pin. If it fits in the tractor, it should work. What do you mean it doesn't work with this display or that display? And now today's challenge for us is telematics. So we're moving all this data wirelessly, automatically. Um, we're trying to tie with other brands, you know, 2020, FieldView, you name it, they're all out there. And once again, we're all of a sudden the experts, even if it isn't our equipment. But we have to deal with it because of the way it's marketed. The other biggest challenge that I currently see is the free to fee in our world. We all know that we want to charge packages, phone support, and all that. But we're being constantly negatively affected by the ability of that because, in my opinion, the Verizons and the AT&Ts, they just pump software out on a regular basis. And it's free, and they support it for free because they're banking on the subscriptions you yearly pay on your cell phone for their money, where a lot of times we're just banking on the service itself. So free to fee, I believe, is a very tough challenge that we will continue to have to endure on how to figure out to get paid for a lot of this stuff, especially when it's our branded equipment and it just should magically work. And we're forced to decide, is it equipment failure, a software update, or operator error? We tend to not know that until we do some questions and answers after the fact we identify where the trouble is and then the conversation starts. So that's definitely a big deal. And with other software companies doing a lot of free services on this, because we're not all unified in this world, I think that makes it tough. And I think it's very dependent on the territory you're in. So some of the solutions I come up, yeah, get off the main road. That's what I wanna do sometimes. So I found this to be an interesting picture because that poor bridge, I know a lot of this happens seems like in the lower Midwest, and this is how I feel some days, okay? The controller or the software would be that bridge, and it's catastrophic. Because it doesn't work, the whole thing's down. As he previously said, he may mix a half a dozen different varieties of implements together, rate controllers and things like that, but if he can't put that last touch on making it all work, the whole thing's a disaster. We don't care about how good the color is, how new it is, it's a disaster. You got to know your equipment limitations in the technology world, and you got to make sure the customer understands it. Just like I had the customer plug his old drill in the back of the tractor and it destroys the controllers. That's a very expensive, hard lesson to learn. It's very important in this world because it's still fairly new. Customers haven't adopted just the general knowledge of technology. And I see this kind of scenario happen. You do a lot of packages and prevent to try to stop this, but it doesn't matter, it still happens. And last of all, with your customer base, you have entry-level customers, high-end customers. A cheap fix usually gets you just that, a cheap fix. I think yesterday I heard somebody say, well, when you update software in one thing, you'd better do it all. Well, if you're in the John Deere world, that is absolutely true. A lot of times, in a hurry, we will go out and we will do a quick fix. And it's a cheap fix. And it'll work to get that guy by. You'll be back out there doing the rest. Software learns, and it learns bad habits. It'll work for weeks on end, and one day it just won't work. And then the guys broke down, and it's prime weather. So a cheap fix, in my opinion, you better once again understand your relationship with your customer, because a cheap fix is just that, it's a band-aid.
We'll get back to the program shortly, but I want to again take a moment and thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for making this program possible. Farmer's Edge is proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow the opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at farmersedgeusa.com slash become a representative or call them at 952-582-1398. Reflecting on Brian's comments thus far, he offered his perspective on reality versus perception of equipment compatibility. Using the term ISO compatible can create confusion with customers and precision staff. He notes that when customers hear, it's ISO compatible, they think it should work with whatever ISO compatible equipment he has. And it might, depending on the manufacturer and year it was ISO certified. But Brian also says mixing and matching components to form one smooth running operating system is difficult at best. In some instances, he adds, it may not be worth it for the time, costs, and headaches involved. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Brian Peterman on the value of creating a collaborative troubleshooting staff to better capture service revenue. The other thing is competition. A lot of us in here today saw a lot of different things, but we all get along. A lot of our dealer principals don't like this part, but I can tell you there's two things here. One, you'd better know the competition in your area and what they're selling. So my first experience was green tractor, green display, I'm sorry, red tractor, red display, green planner. Wouldn't work. Man's ready plant, wouldn't work. I checked with John Deere, it should work, it should work, it should work. It wouldn't work. The guy was running cellular RTK. Deere's solution was call the red guy's precision guy. He's got to put software in that display so it'll talk to our planner. Now, you want to talk about an uncomfortable conversation to call my competition and tell him that I sold your customer a new planner, and by the way, it's supposed to work, but it won't. John Deere's telling me it's your problem. That is tough, okay? Now, when he come out, it worked, but it was about a four-hour ordeal doing software updates and getting that thing to work, and we both learned a lot that day, and so did the customer. So the only thing I made sure of is the last thing I wanted was for that customer to experience bad all the way around. I didn't want the customer to complain that his case international technology was junk or that my new planner was junk. I wanted him to be reversed and feel that even though we were competitors, we worked together to create a solution for the customer because we both need that customer. They're not making any more customers, they're really making less. So whatever piece of that I can get, that's what I wanted. So after that, this started to make sense to me. Since then, that precision guy has talked to me and we've returned the favors. Then we took it down another level and the service departments started to do the same thing. <clears throat> because when we got into technology precision, it was, uh, well, is it the equipment broke or is it a precision problem? The service department couldn't tell and sometimes we couldn't tell. So the only way to really make it quick was to know your competition. Get on the phone. Hey, have you guys had this problem? Yep, we got to fix it. It's your problem. It's our problem. It speeds up the solution, even though it's a competitive product. 
a lot of our tech force, including me, is on a first name basis with our number one competitor in our territory in their service department. They know we got a lot of John Deere tractors out there and they sell equipment and vice versa. If we don't work together, the customer, in my opinion, will see technology as a negative and we will struggle to sell future you know, projects, ARN solutions to those customers. We need them to know that we know what we're doing. So I am a firm believer in not only know your competition's equipment and its capabilities and wherever the ISO stands with it, but make it a point to know your competition literally, okay? It will help you in the end. Don't be too proud to pick up the phone and say, man, have you seen this? The other thing we're a firm believer in is training everybody in our dealership. So I have a saying for every one hour of training we do, it's 10 hours of non-rework or overbilling. When section control come out and active downforce and all this technology, they were lost. And once again, the guys couldn't figure out why is it not working? Is it a machine problem, a technology problem, a software problem? The IS department, which is me and a few others, we call us integrated solutions. We also call us integrated schooling. We tend to lead the training in our dealership and we train everybody, the parts department, service department, everybody, so that we all know what we got to do to make things work and to identify things quick. A customer's downtime, about 15 minutes when you get there, he wants an answer why he's broke and within an hour he wants it fixed, period. Now you might not be able to do that, but that's their expectation. So the more people you have on board to understanding things, the better off you are. How do I turn it into revenue? First thing is, this is the toughest one. OEM manufacturers hate paying warranty. So burn them up on software. It's a problem, they'll finally admit it after the fact. If you don't submit every time you get a chance that software calls you grief when they said it should work, you're hurting yourself. You only get paid for an hour, maybe two on a 10 hour job, but if you do that 20 or 30 times, the next thing I know, the service rep from that company starts asking you questions. Next thing you know, the factory starts asking you questions and you can at least get the problem resolved. Don't just go by and let this one slip through. It's definitely a trigger on the OEMs to fix a problem that they've created with a, oops, we wrote that out of the software. So don't let this one slide. Secondly, make the word software and updates part of all your inspection program. Add it in there. At least make your text look and write down the version numbers. Pass that on. When you know your customers and you know he's got a new planner coming or a new this or new that, you need to know where the software is. If you don't, you'll be out there fixing in the field in a machine down situation. It needs to become a maintenance word. Software is like a part. Old software, old part. The more we get this word out there, the better off we will be. Um, to keep that as the new normal. Generating and losing revenue, definitely the biggest challenge in this world. When you sell the new piece of equipment, whether you add it in on the front side or you suffer on the back side, it's gonna be on you. You're much better off to try to get some of that on the front side. We all know that when the new planer gets with an old tractor or vice versa, there's gonna be more challenges than the hitch pin and the hydraulic hoses. Training was involved for one, but also if the softwares don't match, it's not even gonna work and the customer's frustrated. 
The other thing is, in today's world, I firmly believe that if you're selling equipment, it is a team effort. A salesman alone anymore does not have any business selling iron that involves technology by themselves. It needs to be unified. You need to know what he's getting into because it'll get expensive if it doesn't work. So we have a lot of that when we see an ISO, you know, spread or some other brand and it's going to plug and play and it doesn't, what do you do with that $10,000 piece? The customer doesn't want it. It's very important that there's a team effort that everybody understands your customers and the direction they're going. Service packages. We work on this yearly. Matter of fact, we're changing them again. Yesterday I heard keep it simple, and I agree with that. Keep it simple. No one support package works, and they need to constantly change. What I find is, is you have a service package wrapped around a customer that's fairly new to technology. You're doing it all for them. Then they get in there two or three years. Now they think they can do more, and you've got to back off and recreate a different package because that customer's education's higher now, or the sun come on board and is more computer friendly. So to me, this is an ever-revolving door to match your customer base, okay? The other thing is, is a lot of our customers feel they can control their own documentation. They just want the technology support. They want the telematics. They want the equipment to work. Leave my documentation alone. I can handle farming fields. So we've split that and made that two different packages which makes the, brings the price down. The other thing is, is, what is your comfort zones in your dealership? Are you comfortable dealing with third-party brands? Are you comfortable enough with your competitor's first-name basis situation to support it? Or had you better leave it alone? Because if you really don't know, you're better off to leave it alone. You start opening up that guy's other brand equipment and wiping out his documentation or software, and you're never going to hear the end of it, and you'll probably never be in that tractor cab again. So know where your comfort is in your training of your people. And then lastly, where is your customers? So we all know there's about four different type of customers. What best fits your territory? Identify that and package to that customer base with the intent of constantly changing as you bring them up. To me, your customers are as good as the support you've provided them for years. Usually the people that supported their customers, that's the brand that customer owns. It doesn't matter if it's the best or the worst. Whoever supported it, it's their brand in that customer's unit. Last but not least, I look at software like diesel fuel. We can have the highest performance engine in this tractor we can have. Put in some poor fuel and it won't get out of its own way. Same scenario with technology. We can have the best rate controllers, the newest displays, brand new wires, everything done right, dielectric greets and the connectors, everything perfect. If we didn't make it a point to validate the software all the way through, especially in his example where we're mix matching, oh my God, your job will fail. And if it fails, you failed, and you will struggle to get that customer back under your wings. So to me, look at software as diesel fuel. Poor diesel fuel, poor performance, poor software, same scenario. If you step up and create the solution for that customer, you're it, man. You're the God. They're coming to you every time. They will, when, you know how you tell if you've got a good customer and they love you because they burn your phone up. Not on the weekdays, weekends too. They want to know, oh, you were hunting? Oh, that's nice. I only got one question for you. And that's a whole different challenge. But that's how you kind of know that you've made them happy. It's a good feeling once you've done that until they bug you to death. But you got to know 
<clears throat> softwares like diesel fuel. Keep that thought in your mind as you move forward. Well, thank you, Brian, for sharing your insight on improving functionality across equipment brands and technology. One of the takeaways for me from today's program is Brian's approach to training multiple departments on technology troubleshooting. His philosophy is that every one hour of training equates to 10 hours of non-rework or overbilling of the customer. He adds that when systems like section control and active downforce first hit the market, service technicians struggled with knowing how to diagnose and fix problems. Taking a more proactive approach to training the service and parts departments on identifying and solving technology problems avoids a bottleneck within the precision department and increases the odds that customers will be up and running faster. Those listeners who would like to see more of the presentation mentioned during the program, please visit www.precisionfarmingdealer.com. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program. So feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. I'd again like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for helping make this Precision Farming Dealer podcast series possible. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. And a reminder to plan to attend the upcoming Precision Farming Dealers Summit, January 8th and 9th in Louisville. The theme of this dealer-only event is bridging the precision profitability gap and will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions. Space is limited, and you can visit precisionfarmingdealersummit.com for more information and updates. And you can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on October 12th for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series. And be sure to look for continuing news and announcements for our 2018 Precision Farming Dealer Summit. For Brian Peterman, Farmer's Edge, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Samlicka. Thanks for listening. <music>